Life can be scary. The uh, hospital administrator was walking through the hospital next to the surgical suite. The patient door burst open, the patient run out, and uh, with the lines trailing him, with the hospital uh, gown on, and the administrator caught him. And he said, what's wrong? He said, it's what the nurse said. And uh, he said, what What did the nurse say? Well, he said, the nurse said, be calm now. Take a deep breath. It's just an appendectomy. And uh, he said, well, that that doesn't sound frightening. He said, what's so frightening about that? He said she wasn't talking. She wasn't talking to me. She's talking to the doctor. Well, that's something. Sometimes life does get scary. Like the time that maybe you read about it. A man was walking home late at night and maybe had to work over, uh, but he was getting home late and he he was tired. He wanted to get home, get some rest. So he took a, a shortcut through the cemetery. A little daunting, but he thought he would get, get in bed early and get some sleep. But what he didn't know on that shortcut he was taken to the cemetery, there's a freshly dug grave, empty grave, by the way. And as he walked through, he stumbled, got to the, the grave, he stumbled, he fell, he fell into the grave. Womp. Well, he jumped. He screamed, he cried, he clawed, tried to use his claws. He said, no way. He just couldn't make it. And he sat down the corner to wait till morning. Well, there was another, could have been his neighbor. There was another man. He got the same idea. And he was walking along. And he, he came to that same grave. He stumbled and he fell in. And uh, he jumped, he screamed, he cried, he t- tried everything, but he was totally out of breath, totally out of breath, and he uh, uh, stopped to get his breath, and he heard a voice from the dark say, you can't get out. Well, guess what? He did. <laughs> and, you know, maybe... I can remember growing up here in the county, some of the storms at night that would really keep you, it was scary for, for just a child. And it was one of those nights and the lightning, the thunder and, and the hail, the rain. And the child was scared. He kept hollering for his mother, mommy, mommy, mommy. And she ran in and she, he said, Oh, mommy, it's so scary. It's so scary. He said, is this the end? Is this the end of everything? And she said, honey, it's just a storm. You know, the house is strong and you, this will soon be over and, uh, uh, you have absolutely nothing to worry about. And she consoled him and stroked his head. And, but after a while, she went back to get in her bed and, uh, she, he said, Mommy, Mommy, sleep with me. And she said, No, I have to 
go back hunting and sleep with daddy. And the little boy said, the big baby. <laughs> Sometimes life gets scary. Have you bumped up against that lately? A uh, post-911 world, it is increasingly intense. Uh, everywhere that we look in every news program, I on my internet, I can have one apps for news. And, and they all have the same message. They give you the reality that life it can be scary. Fears have changed over the years. I found one site that I don't know. I don't know all of the uh, their sources, but it said about. Now this was written about three or four years ago, but said that that time it said about four or five dec decades ago the five greatest fears of grade school ch school children were animals, darkness, high places, strangers, and loud noises. That was four or five de decades ago. Today, and then again, it was for, uh, written about three or four years ago, but today, the five greatest fears, divorce, nuclear holocaust, cancer, pollution, and being mugged. I remember just before, shortly before I we moved from Cincinnati down here, I was visiting, doing a canvas of this family, and they were, they had moved in from uh, uh, New Jersey, and uh, they'd been there about three years in the Cincinnati area, and she told me, she said, Glenn, my family, they just can't believe. They think we have found paradise because we've been here three years and no one has been mugged. And evidently, this is a regular occasion in some parts of the country. I think that's true today. But sometimes life gets scary. Darkness comes, uh, uncertainty we live in, a, especially in this country, Scaredness lingers like the bowel at the back of our throat sometimes. Life truly gets scary. Sometimes it's the mere pace, the mere pace. The doctor says, listen, you are going to slow down. You're going to slow down or you're going to be slowed down permanently. Uh, you know, you cannot continue to live the pace you're living and expect to be healthy. Sometimes life gets scary. Sometimes it's the fears that rise within us, the uncertainty, the panic. And sometimes it's the, the threats and dangers that lurk outside of us. Psychologists tell us that the, has recorded the number one treated disorder in America is anxiety. We are a frightened people. We are unsure what the future holds for us. So we, we look for some way to solve, some way to resolve the fear and hold it some way at bay. How do we deal with it? 
how do we control it? But that's the type of thing for which for which we reach reach some way to solve, some way to resolve the fear that is in us. One more. If you live alone and you uh, are afraid at night and you have anxiety, this is a, what's called a, a wireless security system set up in four simple steps. I think I could even do this myself. If Shirley or Joyce would take me to the Goodwill store. But go to Goodwill's second-hand store and get you a large par- pair of work-used boots. <laughs> Bring them home and set them by the door. Number two, on top of a magazine, guns and ammo. And then, three... Get you a large uh, dog dish. Get you a really big one. And number four, put a note on your door. It says something like this. Big John and I have just gone to the store to get some more ammo. We'll be back in about a half an hour. Watch the pit bulls. They've both just been wormed. <laughs> I think that would keep, keep some at bay. We recognize that all of these attempts are only are only half answers. They don't dissolve the inner fears that we have that lurk at night. That leaves a scary feeling to us: fear about money, fear about jobs, fear about health, fear about the children, and yes, some fear even about about eternity. Sometimes. Life gets scary. How do we deal with it? How do we deal with our fears? I want to take you to a scripture this morning that's found in John chapter 14. And before we, that's the first four verses that we'll read, but before we read this passage, I want to set the stage Set the stage because if there is any time in the scriptures which is really a scary time, this is it. This has to be at the top of the list. And it's a time they are huddled together. This is a meeting that they're having. The uh, storm clouds are coming in. The disciples have met with their master and teacher. They're huddled together around a low-slung table. They are there with their their master and teacher, and they are there, and they recognize that outside the doors, outside the doors, that danger, that danger threatens. The enemy has gathered. They have planned, they have schemed, and they recognize that outside is pure evil. Sometimes something evil is, 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 is about to appear. That in, in their master, they can see this, in their master and teacher. There's something different than there had been 
at any point before. They must have sensed within him, within their master, a heavy soul. His words do not seem more somber. His uh, demeanor and his face was different. Uh, He seemed to, he had a sense of what was to come. A four, a four body and lingered. As he began to speak to them, the gravity of what he says seems to underline the fact that something dark and sensitive is abroad. The passage that we will read this morning is a well-known passage. And if you have the red letter edition, you will notice that much of what we will be reading is read, will be red letter because it's Jesus that is speaking himself. When we read the passage, it's the first four verses of John and Jesus is speaking. He said, do not, do not let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My, my father's house has many rooms. If that were not, if, if it were not, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you are, that you also may be where I am. When I read that verse, to me, to me, that verse is one of the classics in the Bible. Fear not, I am with thee, says the Lord thy God. That's one of my favorite promises. And I've claimed it often, and the Lord has never disappointed me. I can sense and feel his presence at all times. And I think that's one of the greatest promises. It's the words of the, of the old King James Version. You believe in God, believe also in me. Imagine the comfort that that must have brought to the, to the disciples that, that night. I would suggest to you that with these words, Jesus speaks to, speaks to the, to the unspoken fears of the disciples. He speaks to the unspoken fears. He answers the unasked questions, unasked questions that that were in their hearts. Do you ever have a, to be thinking about something? <laughs> and the Lord does, will give you an answer. He'll answer your questions you haven't even asked verbally. This happened to me just recently. I I hate the life I live. I don't even want to talk about it, but as I guess it, I, uh, I remember Florence, she didn't like to hear, uh, Bachelor. She didn't like to hear him tell about his experiences, but it's part of life. It's our testimony. And I said, Lord, help me to forget that past. Forget that past. Uh, I don't like to think about it. It uh, was B.C., before Christ, and uh, he spoke to me just as clear as I, he's ever spoken to me. 
And he said, you're asking me to, to give, asking to take away my, te- your testimony. Do you ever think of that? What testimony will we have if we couldn't remember what happened before us so or what Jesus had, uh, give us the victory over? And remember that your testimony is the greatest gift that, that you have. Your own person. They cannot, people cannot deny that. What I was suggesting to you with these words, Jesus was speaking to, the, to their hearts. What may you have asked if you would have been there? What would I have asked? I think the first question, the first question that would arise is the most natural question. Jesus, what do we do with our fears? What do we do with our fears? They have known fear before. They, they've known fear on the lake when the storm cloud moved down and I like Jesus. When I'm, when I'm studying the scripture sometimes, I put myself in that environment. I, I, in my imagination, I try to put myself on that boat to the degree that I can actually feel the sting of the water that hits me in the face. And so they knew, they, they knew fear. Fear was not, but they've never known fear like this. It seems to me that that would be the, the obvious questions. Jesus, what do we do with our fears? And Jesus answered in one word, in one word, trust, trust, trust in God, trust in me. You know, Jesus, what do we do? Let's be honest. What do we do with our fears? Let's be honest. That is the hardest thing in the world to do when you are frightened. To trust is the hardest thing in the world to do when you're frightened. The most difficult choice that you'll ever have to make. You see, when fear strikes, most of us want not to trust. We want to control. We want to control the situations. We, we t- take control of the situations, control the circumstances, control the, the uh, environment, control the people, control what's, what's, what's threatening us. And that's what we want to do. In fact, unless, unless I miss my guess, you know a person or persons, and I want to make something clear. I have never in my, I've been preaching about 50 years now, and I have never at any time spoke to any particular one in church. I don't do that. Only God knows the needs of our church. I preach just what, what our, my God gives me. And I've never addressed, I've never said this is for this person or that person or this one. I don't do that because I don't know the needs and only God knows that. But we want to, but that's we, in fact, unless I miss my guess, and I'm speaking usually, I was expecting expected a larger group here today, but the weather, we didn't know just what the weather would be. But unless I miss my guess in a larger group, you will know a person in your life that's, that handles their inner fears in that way. You know him, you know her, you know her that has the controlling spirit. Listen, listen to the word of psychologists. 
the psychologist H. Norman Wright. Wright writes, Have you met anyone that comes across as controlling, uh, domineering? If so, you have encountered someone motivated by fear. Controlling people, inwardly they live in fear. Contriving, striving for the appearance of being in control. They, they fear that they control their their own feelings, so they attempt to control the way other people feel. They desperately want others to love them. They desperately want others to love them, so they might show chose not to. So they demand love. They demand love from others. What is, what is it that right says if you have encountered someone that controls, uh, or domineering, you have encountered someone that is controlled by fear. The last thing most of us want to do when we are, when we are frightened is to, is, is to trust. Yet, when we ask Jesus, what do we do with our fears? He said, trust, trust. I want to share, someone helped me with this more than it. I thought I claimed the promises that most people do. I didn't know anything about trust till I married Bert Trammell. I, I, she, listen, she had total trust in God. She believed in his promises. And she taught me that God answers all of his promises. When we got married, I went into literature. I worked for 32 years for Sterling Drug. Took an early retirement to go into the literature work. And Bert, she went with me. She was with me. She prayed for me while I was given a canvas. When we was uh, servicing the doctor's office, I had about 300 doctor's office. I didn't have to knock on doors. I set up appointments, most of them, but, uh, by the way, if you ever talk to anyone, setting up an appointment, whatever. I had, and I'm going to give God the credit for this, if this ever happens, I was the only one that could set up an appointment over the phone. And I did it for one way. They come down to the conference dead and said, Glenn, we want to know what you're doing. No one else can set up appointments. I said, there's one thing. As Jim has often talked to us, I have a merry heart. Make sure that you've got a smile on your face. Make sure that you're, that, that you're not feeling sad when you make that appointment. And it makes, I, I studied the temperaments of mankind, the four temperaments. I studied the, uh, Body language, I, and uh, that's part of part of that. Your voice, your voice has an awful lot to do with it. And how many times you called someone? You said they're not good. They're not doing well. I could tell. I could tell by their voice. Or they sounded good today. That's so important because they can read you. It's loud and clear by your voice. But Bert, when we got married, she. It was time she couldn't go with me. You know what she done? She go, she, she asked God to let her know 
when I needed help. I can't tell you the times that because of her trust, because of her trust in God's promises, I can't tell you the times that I would come in maybe at at 9 o'clock at night. Okay, what happened at 7 o'clock? And I said, honey, well, I won't won't go into the story of what happened, but it was a glorious thing. But it wouldn't have happened if she didn't have trust. She would drop to her knees and start praying for me. There was a time come in, she'd say, Glenn, what happened at 5 o'clock today? I said, well, honey, it's just, I just got, made the wrong turn on this one-way road, highway, the busiest one in Cincinnati. I don't know how I got turned around. I never have figured that out, but suddenly I was going the right direction. It was at that very point that she was doing the laundry. She dropped to her knees and prayed for me. And when I got home, she said, okay, Glenn, what happened at five o'clock? That's what trust in God can do. There was a time that when we moved down here from Cincinnati, the first, I wanted to see this country. When I was growing up here, delivering papers, going to school, that was pretty much it, and going to scout camp. But when I, I, uh, but when I came back, I have a new mind. This was before Christ. Now the beauty of all of these things are just outstanding to me because I've seen God in all of them. But you know what? We've seen more of this in a month's time. I think I've seen the whole time we've grown up. We'd like to go out and just see the things of nature. And we're down toward Bell Farm. Some of you know where that's at, I guess. Uh, we kept driving, and we come to this road, uh, at this intersection. And the road was on ended at that time. One side to the right said Pickett State Park in Tennessee. The other said Peter's Mountain. Now, Peter's Mountain, we didn't know this. It had an R, said Peter's Mountain, uh, 30 miles I think it's uh, some kind of a junction, White Oak Junction, I believe. It's down where they, we have a baptism down there. People like to be baptized and run in water. So we, we started on that road. It wasn't a road. It was a log where they haul logs. And it had been raining the night before. And it was kind of sprinkling then. And so help me. And I, we couldn't back up. We was in it too far. And we went into, the road was just like that, across that mountain. And when we go into a low place, if it had been running water, I don't know what we would have done, but it looked like a lake. And I just had to take a change. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know whether it was going to totally cover the car or not. But we go through it, start up the, the hill. There's no way. There's no way that this we could have done that without someone trusting in God and believing it. Listen, I was scared to death. I've never been, my mouth has never been as dry in my life. And you know what? My wife is sitting there enjoying the experience. One, one, one place, we started up, we got all the way up to the top, just about, and the, we just come out of a, another lake. And we, this car started sliding back. Oh, no. And you know what? Something just picked up that car, set it right over the road. 
That's That was my wife, Bert. That was a trust she had. When we got out of that, we first would come up on a little gravel, and I seen was coming out of the log woods. And the car, you couldn't have told what the car was, uh, what kind it was. In fact, I'm not sure you could tell it was a car. It looked like a big gob of mud to me. And you know what? At the end of that was one of the most beautiful rainbows I've ever seen. I've seen colors and rainbows. This was just absolutely outstanding. Something for me and, and my wife. Uh, I remember another occasion. In the literature work, Hamilton County Fair was uh, Cincinnati and is in Hamilton County. And in all of Cincinnati area, the metropolitan area, there's over a million people. So we had a, a good opportunity to collect some mighty cards. I had a Bible there. And in this Bible, I was showing it to the, showing it to the, uh, people that would come in and check our literature. And if they wanted to take a chance, fill out a card, they would drop that card in a box at the end of the uh, the fair. We would call on those cards. But anyway, we would draw a card, and uh, the one that we draw would win that Bible. It's a big family Bible, one of the nicest family Bibles I've ever seen. And uh, we had, I think, 350, maybe 400 cards. That was a lot of people to call upon, so... We wasn't going to have to knock on doors or anything like that for a long time. But anyway, the second time we were there, suddenly the, the of the loudspeakers, button down your, your, uh, tents. When it is, this plays a tent on the table and with your, your things that you're advertising or selling and run to the, uh, some kind of a safety structure, a building, concrete building. There's heavy winds headed this way. They'll be here, should be here in about five minutes. And you talk about working fast, my wife and I, and we, we went with everyone else. I've been in hurricanes before. I've been in tornadoes before. But this was the same thing. This was called straight winds, but it had the force of a tornado. And where we was at, we could see the pretty much dark, but you can still see the debris and the logs look like and everything, pass of the windows. After it's over, I looked at my wife and I said, well, let's go home. Go home? What do you mean go home? I said, how did there can't be anything out there? She said, listen. And she believed it. She trusted God. And she said, listen, we asked God this morning to protect us and what was ours. She said, I happen to believe in God's promises. Well, I went out with her up to the p pavilion to show her how wrong she was. I got the biggest surprise I've ever got in my life. And I, I, and, and, and I made one of the biggest mistakes I've ever made. The mistake was that I didn't run home and get my camera and come back and see one tent standing there. Everything else strode up the p pavilion. There was not one, not one, we had brochures and uh, all kind of things taped to the, to, to, to the tent, the back of it, as advertisement. 
they were still there. They were still there. As one on, on one side of me was some women, Christian women. They had some kind of a program for their church, and uh, they made little doilies and crocheted things, and they were just dirt and strode all the way up the pavilion. Does it mean that God loved us more than them? I don't believe that for one minute. I don't believe any people is loved any more than others if they're God's people. But it means that Bert trusted. Bert trusted. Oh, friends, God is a trustworthy God. Well, it sounds sometimes when we think about this, it sounds like the serenity prayer. Remember that? It was the, uh, the words that was written by, by a theologian. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change and the courage to change the things that I can and the wisdom to know the difference. But you know, with those that try to control things that do not trust God, they pray in a different way. They pray, God grant the serenity to accept the things that I, accept the things that I cannot change me and the courage to change the things, to change the things that I can, you, and the wisdom to know the difference. Friends, that's not what trust means. Trust means relinquishing yourself, investing yourself, your life, your future, into the hands of another, in this case, Jesus. I want to challenge you. We're still early in the year. Friends, if you, you can have the happiest, most joyful experience that you've ever known in your life, when you can hand it all over to him, and friends, I guarantee you that he can be trusted. Friends, not only can he be trusted, he is incredible. This is only the first part of this message. The second part, when God gives me something to share, sometimes I can get it in one, sometimes in two. But the next time I speak, you'll hear the, hear the uh, second part. And please remember, pray, pray for, pray for the gift to trust Him. And if you do, you'll never have to worry again. I mean that sincerely. I don't worry. Sometimes I'm concerned about uh, one of our church members that might be sick or something like that, but I don't worry. I know it's in God's hands, but trust him. Trust him. There's no other way. Father, I thank you so much. The greatest experience I've ever had is learning to trust in thee. And Father... You've challenged each one of us. You have said you believe in God, believe also in me. Father, thank you for that ability that you have given to each of us. You've said, just trust, just trust. Father, I've discovered that you will be right there with us every moment. We'll never have to be worry again because you will cover us in every situation 
You will lead us, you will guide us, and you will direct us. And we'll always feel your presence and the reality of that presence will be so real to us. Be with us, Father, as we think about these words and we go to our home. In Jesus' precious name, amen.